You're listening to the Outside by Design podcast, made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Blurring the lines between work and play, whether your office is in a pickup truck at a trailhead or in a skyscraper, we're connecting you to others who think like you do. Hey everybody, Amanda here at Wheelie Creative, and with the boss lady Lisa, we're here for another round of Outside by Design podcast, and today we have Eric Peitch from the Avalanche Center, BOFAC for those of you in the Valley that know about it. Welcome. Thanks, it's great to be here. (laughs) It's great to have you here. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. All right, I am uh, the director of the Flatted Avalanche Center. um, And I'm also a scientist with the US Geological Survey. Um, So I study snow and ice even during the summer. Um, And as the director of the Avalanche Center, I'm also a forecaster. And there's a team of two of us, and we're kind of changing things up, but we hopefully have three this coming winter. And uh, yeah, that's what I do. Um, So we're out digging pits in the snow, looking at the snow, and then of course we come back to the office and look at weather, what it's been doing, and what it is going to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, then the next morning we get up really early and put it all together in a in a usable format for everyone, hopefully. Nice. And how did you get into all this? Um, well, let's see. I like being outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Those uh, are the requirements yeah. to be on this podcast. That's right. If you didn't like the outdoors, you'd be like, don't come here. <laughs> design. Yeah. Um, so I, I uh, you know, yeah, I just enjoyed being outside, skiing, climbing, running, um, and wanted to make that my profession somehow and so I started as a ski patroller in Lake Tahoe at Alpine Meadows as a pro patroller there um I really enjoyed the avalanche component of it more so than the first aid stuff uh so I kind of got into that a bit more and um the avalanche control there is a big deal so it was a great place to learn among some great avalanche hunters and then I kind of wanted to further it, so I applied to grad school and went to grad school at Montana State University in Bozeman. Go Cats. That's right. Yeah, that's where I went. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I think we've kind of be quiet about that. Around no, there. that really makes me happy because I don't know anybody else that's a Bobcat fan. Nice. So when I meet them, like, we need to be friends yes. now. You know? now. Now we And can we have be. to gang up on people on Facebook <laughs> because everybody just attacks me. Yeah. <laughs> um... So, yeah, I uh, got my uh, graduate degree there in snow science, and while I was there, started forecasting for the uh, going in the sun road um, nice. in the spring, and so that was a shorter season, so I was able to do both. And then, uh, yeah, since then, I've been working for the USGS, and now we have this partnership with the Forest Service, where we, um, I, I'm the director of the Avalanche Center here. Awesome. So, like, with going to the Sun Road, do you still do stuff with Glacier Park? Do you still go up there and... Yeah, I still, and, you know, that's another part of our, of my job with the SGS is forecasting for the road as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, yeah, I still do that, and that's in the spring, so kind of the, the winter season ends for the Avalanche Center in about early to mid-April, and then the transition to there is, you know, we move right into that, uh, the spring opening season. Um, so, as... You know, as a USGS employee, we get to do a lot of research through both of these partnerships, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of nice. That's fantastic. I didn't know any of this. I didn't know you could get a master's in that. 
Which yeah. is awesome. Apparently, you can get a master's in anything. I'm a yeah. master of snow. Um, you, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's still science, and so it no, was. Yeah, totally it was yeah. <laughs> you know, it was. I mean, just like any graduate degree, it's it's hard. Do you, do you have to be a mathematician? Like, I'm terrible no. at mathematics, so... It's no, like not a... Good. Well, I mean, it depends on what you're studying, you know? Yeah. I mean, I... My my thesis focused on wet snow avalanches, mm-hmm. um, kind of looking at how water moves through the snow. Mm-hmm. And uh, so not too much math, um, you know, just the right amount of statistics. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so, you know, it's a lot of field work, which was great um, most days, unless it's raining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then you're Which, like, look at all this water. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it it rains here in the winter. It does. So. Yeah, well, especially this last winter. This winter was weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we get, I don't know, I mean, it's a great snow climate here because, you know, we, we get just the right amount of storms and a decent amount of snow, and the stability is usually pretty good, but, you know, just to... Stability is sort of, it's just unstable enough to keep it interesting. Mm-hmm. So, And you guys teach classes too, don't you? Yeah, so then that's a huge part of the Avalanche Center. And, you know, we're working with the Friends of the Flathead Avalanche Center, um, a group that's whose mission is to financially support and um, help save lives through avalanche education. And so it's, you know, Avalanche Center is this great mix of, um, or it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool model of, you know, government and nonprofit working together, um, and a variety of government agencies and nonprofit uh, group working together to kind of help educate folks. And so we do a lot of classes in the winter, everything from like, you know, one hour awareness classes um, at any of the retail shops or at the library mm-hmm. to, um, you know, multi day uh, sort of what we call advanced um, avalanche course or advanced avalanche awareness courses or introduction to avalanches. And, and then, you know, we also help out with some of the level one and level two classes that take place up here that other people do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge part of it is the education. And that's what, you know, we want to obviously do more of, uh, but it takes mm-hmm. time and resources. So was Lisa a star pupil? Because she's taking classes, haven't you? Uh, I took a lot of classes in Crested Butte. Oh. I haven't taken any here. I'm sure she would be. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, one thing I really like about avalanche education and being a graphic designer is the use of infographics. Mm-hmm. Oh, know, they're the best. Yeah. yeah, because it conveys information really quickly in very simple, concise ways, and I think that that's super cool. Um, I don't know if it's standard. It's it's not, and it's you know it's a, yeah it that's a a good point. You should uh, make sure that goes in there yeah. <laughs> because uh, <laughs> it's interesting. You know the variety of avalanche centers throughout. Western North America, really, um, but m- more so the Western U.S. You know, Canada is doing their own thing, and it's similar to what some of the centers do in the U.S. Mm-hmm. But in the U.S., you know, th- there is no mandated standard that you you know it needs to look like this, and and it's changed. You know, obviously, just like everything over time, where it used to be just all text based, and you know, you read the yeah. advisory, but now right. it's moved into yeah more infographics. Um, and, you know, similar to what the National Weather Service produces, um, because we have, you know, three types of users, the sort of tier one user that just wants to look at the bottom line, which is the hazard. And is it, mm-hmm. you know, is it green, yellow, orange, red, or black? And that's yeah. what they want to know. You know, what's the hazard rating? And then folks who want to learn a little bit more about it and what we as avalanche centers have done 
over the past few years is incorporate avalanche problems. And I think it's a great way for users, backcountry users, regardless of your education background in avalanches to, to kind of um, learn more about avalanches and like why are they actually happening, you know, or not. And so like our avalanche problem might be a dry slab avalanche um, that day and then maybe a dry loose avalanche. So those two problems are the problems of the day, but you know, it, on a warmer day we might have a different problem and we have the infographic associated with that and you know, the probability and all that stuff. And so I think that's been really huge in bringing more people in because yeah. it's easy to look at and it's easy to understand that's the thing and that's why i think infographics are amazing like i don't know if a lot of our listeners know what an infographic is but it's basically like okay if you if you ski on big mountain it's like the map because then you have like your different colors of trails and stuff like that and so maps are almost like an infographic i guess yeah but just anything that's kind of visually pleasing and that's the thing if people are interested in it and they see it and it like draws them in they'll look at it and yeah. then your information is conveyed so much better than like just some words on paper. Right. You know? right. And we, I mean, we still provide text for, you know, the ver- the various sections in our advisory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the folks that like to read the text, it's still there as well. Or, you know, there's definitely more detailed things that you can include in an infographic in, in the text. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a mix and I think there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, but it's you know for for what it is now i think it works pretty well um but yeah there there is no standard getting back to the original question and um yeah i think uh you know i think it would help to to have some sort of of uniform look um at least across the advisory you know the various avalanche centers don't necessarily have to have the same look to their website but um you know maybe the advisory structure could be could be similar and and they're pretty similar but Mm -hmm. different enough that you know, if you're traveling around, let's say one winter and you're skiing in Washington, you know, one week and you're, then you're skiing in the Sierra the next week, it's, you know, they're different. Um, but yeah, yeah. Well, things are moving forward in that direction. Which is cool. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So what are some of your goals for the Avalanche Center? <laughs> um, so right now we, uh, you know, the Avalanche Center here in the Flathead, um, Northwest Montana has gone through quite a bit of change. Uh, over the last, certainly the last three years. Um, and, you know, there's been a change in personnel and a change in, you know, the community wanted certain certain things. And so, um, you know, it's right now, or last year we did four days a week. Um, mm-hmm. This year, I, you know, I'm currently working on budgets, but I, I think we'll be able to provide at least five days a week um, yep. and potentially maybe every day, you know, we're kind of, kind of need to see where that's at. But, you know, that's one goal is to, bring us up to where we should be and we should have advisory, you know, an advisory every day. Um, cause you know, avalanches don't choose the days that you put out advisories and people are skiing every day in the backcountry and, and snowmobiling. Yeah. So it's, uh, anyways, that's one goal. Um, certainly the other goal is to just, you know, have more education and inform folks of what's going on and cert- you know, certainly the current conditions, but just what to look for in general um, when they're out there and, you know, there's, like I mentioned earlier, there's a variety of users. Some folks are super savvy and they're, you know, they're awesome and they, they know what to look for and, uh, they do a really good job of, of making decisions. And then there's, you know, the, the folks that are just getting into it and have no idea what's going on. And so it's, um, you know, to have a wide variety of classes is another goal, um, of ours this season. 
Um, so those are kind of the two major goals. Nice. Yeah. We work with a lot of entrepreneurs that are starting their businesses, and even though we focus a lot on design, we also kind of end up talking logistics and business planning with people all the time. So from a nonprofit standpoint, what kind of budgeting do you do that other nonprofits can learn from or try, and what's wor- what has worked for you? Um, especially because <laughs> it's seasonal. Right. It, it, well, it, yeah, I mean, it's... The, the bulk of the work is in is obviously in the winter. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of directing, there's always work to be done. And, and sure, there's less in the summer because we're not forecasting. Um, but I guess, you know, the, the biggest part, at least the biggest, well, one of the biggest challenges that I have is, um, you know, it, it is this collaboration of government and nonprofit. Yeah. And so you're kind of balancing this, this act of, you know, what, what resources do, do these government agencies provide into this? And, um, you know, then what can the nonprofit who's there to support the Avalanche Center, what, what are they bringing in? And so balancing both and, you know, maybe there's extra funds from the government entities one year and the nonprofit, you know, had a bad year or vice versa. And so mm-hmm. I think just being able to recognize um, when, you know, when there might be, a uh, you know a, a, a big year so to speak for for one part of it and or you know if it's happening on both ends that's great <laughs> but yeah. or when it yeah. might be bad for both <laughs> um so i think you know just kind of examining where everything is coming from um in terms of resources and how to obviously do the most you can with as little as you have um and that's always kind of been you know how avalanche centers have operated in the past is you know it relies a lot on the personnel working really long, hard hours, especially when in the field. Um, we have great folks. Um, you know, another forecaster for us is Todd Hannon, and he does a great job of just putting his head down and doing the work. <laughs> and, you know, even again, even when it's raining. And, um, so, yeah, I think, I don't know. It's, you know, I, I kind of evaded the the question but it's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's I don't know it's yeah I guess looking at all of the opportunities and and not really um you know it's a bit cliche but the the sort of unsuspecting opportunities that you may not think of in the beginning um may be the best the best opportunity out there yeah sometimes you gotta get creative exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah we do like creativity <laughs> yeah what well, so what's your favorite way to play in the snow well, um, when you're you know, not working, well, when yeah. I'm not working, <laughs> um, most recently I've been into sledding with having two young children around. So, um, sledding, like sled riding, not snowmobiling. Um, oh, but like, uh, like getting on like a toboggan. Like, right. Oh, yes. Yeah. But that's because I have two small children, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but on a personal, like if I'm out, you know, with friends, um, and you know, they mix like my work and, and personal is, I like to do both, but, um, you know, I've kind of always been a skier. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I did tele ski for a decade and, uh, saw the light. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I've locked the heel down, so yeah. sorry, all you free healers out yeah. there. Um, there but, comes a point when you're like, no thanks. Yeah. yeah. From, even more recently, I guess I've gone to what what skiers may view as the dark side and gone the motorized route in the past few years. Um, oh, yeah, I, I thought the dark side was snowboarding. <laughs> skiers oh, always tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
No, I, I yeah, I've been really enjoying snowmobiling and more recently snow biking. Um, those things are really fun, and so uh, yeah, we've uh, they know that um, this next season we have two snow bikes donated mm-hmm. to us by Penko Power Products um, in Kalispell. <laughs> They've helped us out a lot with, you know, help or hosting avalanche classes um, and, uh, yeah, helping us out with uh, the, the friends group with, you know, resources. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, that's what I've, that's what I'm doing now is both, both motorized and non-motorized. Penko's a big one. They're like, actually, they do a lot of stuff for a lot of nonprofits yeah. in the Valley. So that's really cool. Yeah. I, I have a snowmobile that, I'm a snowboarder that bought a snowmobile. Nice. And so, <laughs> you'll see me out there digging a lot. Perfect. Yeah. And just yelling, digging, yelling. <laughs> there's uh, there's a lot of... your <laughs> snowmobile off your truck. Yeah. There's a lot of digging on, on, on my part, too. Yeah. 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 I mean, but I've, I've learned from really good riders, and so I've learned to not pull out the shovel, um, you know, just get out however you can there's so yeah I've learned a lot over the past couple of years it's pretty fun it's there, super fun there are some excellent stashes around here where yes. it's pillow lines for days yes. on your snowboard or skis or, or sled or, or sled yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and digging and, and yelling and yelling <laughs> yeah trying just, not to cry oh my god yeah that just makes me think of your video of you with your truck yeah, I sometimes, I have an old M7 that doesn't have reverse, because uh-huh. that came out in 2006, and mine's an 05, and I can't get my sled out of my truck. It's like a, it's like the worst part of my day, <laughs> getting my sled out of the I'm truck. There's like this video of Lisa just like jerking just on like it, and like the screaming. whole truck is like moving with her, she's like, ah! Yeah, <laughs> so it's good, that, that's fun. The life of a snowmobiler. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Or if you're just Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you do in the summer for fun? Uh, balance everything from, you know, family, work, play. But mm-hmm. for play, um, in the summer I like to run a lot, run up mountains, uh, climb. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like to play a lot in the park. It's a great place to run. Um yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I like. I just like to be outside. It, no. con- it continues. And play is a really good word. Like yeah. what? Like okay. So this kind of I don't know if I'm gonna word this correctly, but um, what I guess what is your definition of play and like how do you feel about it as like balancing work and play? Like what's I guess what's your view? Um, it's tricky. It's certainly tricky to balance both. You know, because mm-hmm. you wanna. You know, you, you want to and have to work, um, and you always want to play. And, you know, so it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's tricky, and my, my definition of play is, um, I mean, it's a variety of things these days. Having a young family, it's, you know, being out with the family, which is play for sure some days. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, it's also, yeah, just, you know, being out solo, running in the mountains, running up peaks. Um, long days just being out there and it's just yeah kind of time to even though the effort is certainly hard it's just time to kind of clear the mind and everything and um you know just think about everything in general yeah 
Well, speaking of playing, what's the raddest you've gotten in the last week? <laughs> uh, doing the dishes. <laughs> so bad. That's not rad. <laughs> um, uh, the last week, let's see. Um, oh, I don't know. I uh, let's see. Last week, uh, was it last week? I think it was. They all blurs together. Um, <laughs> I know. It's... Went for a run with a friend. We ran uh, uh, Mount Jackson in Mount Sai. Um, that was fun. It was a long day, but it was a good day. Lots of vert and then two of the 10,000 footers in the park, so that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a really cool day because was, it was kind of weird. I'll digress here for a moment, but there was this inversion layer, like like mid-elevation, so this, this cloud layer. Um, at like 7,000 feet and so below it you know it's kind of cloudy and it was windy up on uh, Mount Sai and then you kind of move through that and climb through that and then at the top it was just you know gorgeous and bluebird and only the tallest peaks in the park were sticking out of it so it was kind of cool oh that'd be beautiful yeah it was kind of unexpected because it was pretty warm so mm-hmm. anyways um, sure, that's the raddest thing I've done in the past <laughs> it week. It sounded rad to me. <laughs> yeah. Did you see any animals? Yeah, what we saw see? bears. Um, have we seen any goats? I don't know if we saw any goats that day. We saw a couple of bears. Um, grouse, you know, mm-hmm. the always scary grouse. I find grouse to be scarier <laughs> I, than, than they bears. They are. They, they scare the hell out of me. Every yeah. time you're like, when I'm riding my bike up yeah. going to the Sun Road, I always come across one and it's like, like right in front of my bike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they freak me out. Um, yeah, it wasn't a terribly uh, wildlife-filled day, but it's always fun to see bears. It's yeah, always fun to see a bear. Bears. That's yeah. pretty good. When they're, yeah. you know, when they're doing what they should be doing and you're doing what you should be doing. Did, did you see grizzlies? Um, that day in the morning we did, and then we saw two black bear, black bears later on. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's fun. It is. It's, uh, it's fun when it's in, you know, when the situation is right, (laughs) and they're far enough away, and you're making noise, and they see you and hear you, and they move away, and you can move along. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um. Yeah. I have a bear problem at my house right now. Is it getting in the trash? Yeah, well, I have a grill. You know, <laughs> but I'm a vegetarian. I don't even cook meat. So I'm like, wait, you guys want some like leftover mushrooms? <laughs> they might. You they said they eat meat. nothing but berries. I love bears. I know you do. Lisa doesn't like eagles. I no. don't like bald eagles. Why? Because she's not American. Well... Do <laughs> 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 you like bald eagles? Who doesn't like bald eagles? Because she says they're too mean, and I'm like, you. When has a bald eagle ever been mean to you? (laughs) Those talons. Yeah, those talons. Yeah, well, (laughs) I don't want to get near them. Oh, look at them. And she just thinks they're really mean. And I'm thinking, you don't think bears are mean? Well, bears just eat berries mostly. And I'm like, I don't know. Have you ever seen Night of the Grizzly? (laughs) No, I have not. You probably shouldn't watch it because you'll hate bears. Oh, have you seen the movie Frozen where they sit oh, yeah. on the chairlift? Wait, what? See, no. see this see, is... See, you just thought of the dad movie. I did. That's exactly what I was going to say. I did too. Is that we're, sad? We're doing a... No, it's like a terrible, terrible movie where these people are stuck I know on a chairlift overnight. 
No. No. Uh, so it's called Frozen. They didn't sing a song no. with each other, that's for sure. <laughs> How old are your kids? Uh, six and three. Oh, cool. What are the... What? What are they into? Um, what, do they, what do they like to do outside? <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Um, you know, they like to ski. Um, the oldest one started when he was two. Um, he's ripping around the mountain now. Starting to pass you up. Close. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the younger one just started last year. And uh, yeah, in the summer, we you know, we get them out climbing. And that's fun. They like climbing and scrambling and hiking and... Just being kids, you know, playing outside. Does being a dad affect how you feel about being an avalanche train? Um, yeah, sometimes it does. Help, mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's it's one of those... My, over the years, just in general, like without having a family, my risk tolerance has changed. Um, I think that happens to most folks, but um, not all. But I, I, So that's changed, and so I, you know... Now, I, I certainly, you know, it's not necessarily something I think of every time I'm out there, um, but I think it's inherent in my thought process and decision-making when I'm out there is, you know, just the normal that you're not only you're not only taking care of yourself, you know, there's others you're taking care of. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it certainly does. And, you know, when I'm working and, and I'm out in the field, um, you know, it's... Uh, it, you're working, and so you're you have to you know abide by certain safety protocols that you may or may not use when you're out personally, mm-hmm. um, and so you know there's I think there's a different risk tolerance at least for me you know personally than when I'm working as well, right. um, so yeah I think the answer to that question is yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think it's like adventure story time? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So, well, I mean, th- yeah. this is kind of one of those things. Like, that wasn't we, on here, was it? Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we just like to throw stuff at you. We're like, here's the list of questions for you to prepare. Yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a really good adventure story for us? Like, it could be anything. It could be a running story or snowmobiling, anything. Just something that's, like, super stuck out in your mind. That type of thing. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's... You know, usually there are things that, that I screwed up on. <laughs> Those are the best stories. I know, I know, I know. Um, let's see. Uh, trying to choose one that's probably appropriate. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's the, the unplanned bitty. Um, that's not uncommon. There's a few of those. Um, one funny one, well, it's funny in hindsight, of course, is uh, I was out just on a personal trip with a friend. Um, this is years ago, but we were, you know, going up Mount Shasta in California, of all places. It's California, right? It's it's always warm. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, it's a volcano, and the weather was coming in from the other side, and the classic scenario where you can't see the, the clouds building. And so, anyways, we get up there, and, you know, being in our, like, early to mid 20s I think we're like yeah we'll just keep going for it might as well you know it's totally a whiteout and so we go up to the summit and can't see anything anyways and start coming down and the wind's just cranking I don't know it was like I mean I've been in you know 80 to 100 mile per hour winds before and it was it was close to that for sure like almost blow you over um so we had to the and it was snowing really hard too um 
So we, yeah, ended up, and it was getting late, so we ended up digging a little cave in the snow and stayed there for a number of hours. Um, and uh, it was just still cranking outside. And finally we got up the next morning, and we're like, we just need to get out of here. And that, so that kind of sucked. Um, <clears throat> it was still, you know, wind was howling, it was still snowing. But uh, the gully we were going to go down got scoured, and so now it was fairly safe. So we descended that. Um, <laughs> the wind knocked my partner off his feet, and you know we were down climbing that icy gully at that point, and he got a cramp on stuck in his calf. And so oh. It's, oh. it's, it's kind of funny now, oh. but oh. we uh, <laughs> so we get down, and you know it was crazy because it's classic volcano weather. We're like below like 8,000 feet or seven or whatever it was, eight there, I guess. Um, or actually it was, yeah, it was higher. It was like below 10,000. It was, it was sunny and warm, but mm-hmm. the top of the mountain was sucked in. So right. anyways, we get down there and he's having problems, you know, skiing down because of his calf. <laughs> so, <laughs> actually. But it's good skiing though at this yeah. point. And uh, we get down and, uh, you know, run into these guys and they're like, oh, are you Eric? And Brandon and we're like, yeah. And they're like, oh, well, we're, we're out searching for you. And like, we're oh. your search party. <laughs> yeah. oh so God. I was like, oh, wow, thanks. You know, we're, we're fine. Um, my friend might need a Band-Aid, though. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a good one. That was a while ago. Um, yeah. Yeah, but um, I feel like we've all been in those scenarios yeah. where you're like, I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. But I'm going to keep going anyway. Yeah, I can do it. Seems legit. I mean, that's how we all learn. So. Yeah. Without those, you... You don't learn. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of others, but that's always a good one. Right. Where, where'd you grow up? Pennsylvania. So so what was your first backcountry experience? Do you remember that? Skiing? Yeah, or just going into the backcountry and being like, this is awesome. This yeah. This is what my life is going to be. Oh, I don't know if I ever I really had that like one moment like, this is what I want to do. But um, yeah, so we grew up in Pennsylvania and I mean, I remember just kind of here and there, you know, going camping with my dad, but it was never a regular thing. Um, but then we went to British Columbia and we went hiking in BC. Um, I can't even remember where I was young. I was like 13 or something. And, uh, that was fun. And then we kind of, you know, after, let's see, I went to college and I went to Lewis and Clark college in Portland. Um, so from there, yeah, I just kind of started, getting more into skiing and with Mount Hood in the backyard mm-hmm. that was fun uh and climbing and so yeah from there it kind of took off from from college mostly um but I don't know that I ever had that one moment like this is exactly what I need to do you know yeah um yeah it's sort of a culmination of experiences I suppose right that's funny because you, you talk about your stories, like, very much in terms of weather. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, like, when, like, cinematographers can't, yeah. they can't look at, uh, they can't watch movies anymore. Because they instead just see, like, shot angles. Oh, yeah, yeah, and then they're just judging. You know what, what I mean? And then it's, doing. like, almost, you can't watch movies anymore. You're like that, where you can't just look outside. No. No, can't I can't. just look out a window. Like, summer is the only time where I, I don't look at weather models or any sort of, you know, weather product every day. Um, it's, I can actually go a few days without looking at it for the most part, unless I'm, you know, or we're working outside or something like that, but, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, yeah, I never thought of it 
like that. I guess I, <laughs> my life is viewed through weather. Every once in a while, you like kind of realize those moments, though. It's kind of like when we're walking down the street. I'll look at a poster and I'll be like, "We didn't make that." Oh. <laughs> I just get really sad. It's funny though because as as I've been the director of the Avalanche Center and you know sort of this. The audience is obviously, as you guys know, is a wide variety of. It's a big audience and a broad audience, and so I've been looking at that more and more. I'm like, well, you know, how do we? And as an educator, you know, how do I tailor this course to this audience? And you know, if it's a group of, say, you know, I don't know, school age children, that's one thing. But when you get this sort of class that's open to everyone, mm-hmm. you know, then it's kind of you have to tailor your your uh obviously tailor your uh your class but um yeah I mean other things like when you're talking about sort of you know the the design part of it like I look at things now and even websites you know I've been working on our site and with our um guys designed our site and trying to figure out what's going to work and when I look at yeah even like flyers like you were talking about for like Mm -hmm. events that the friends group does and it's like oh would that work for us, you know, would that work for the Avalanche Center or for the Friends Group? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So it's, you know, being the director definitely entails not just science and avalanche forecasting, but, you know, the the sort of educational and, and public appearance side of things as well. We had Molly Busby on here, who owns Yoga Hive in town, and she was saying the hardest thing about entrepreneurship is having to care about everything. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting because it's like it's true though she had yeah. like a really valid point you know like yeah you do I mean you know as a director you know you'd be caring about graphic design right yeah exactly or web design right even nerdier <laughs> yeah. it is and I mean it but it's fun you know like <laughs> I, I certainly enjoy very you know various parts of it and others less so but mm-hmm. um, I think that's what makes being a director you know fun but you know those other instances tolerable because you know that it's not always this and that it varies and you're you know one day you'll be out in the field and you know digging a lot of snow pits and skiing powder and then the next day you'll be in the office like trying to code a section of your website and so it's like why like a day for us <laughs> yeah, yeah. there you go yeah. they're very just similar don't deal with scary avalanches <laughs> So what was your first job in the outdoor industry? So so before I went to Lewis and Clark, I actually went to Gettysburg College in Pennsylvania, and then I transferred. And there at Gettysburg, I worked as a, um, what did they call it, an outdoor facilitator for the outdoor group, or the outdoor club. Um, and it was a job. I think, I think we got paid for leading trips. Um, but, you know, I was in Pennsylvania, and it was, yeah, we did everything from rock climbing trips to backpacking, um, whitewater rafting, that sort of thing. And so that was kind of the start of like the, my, the guiding portion of my life, which I don't do anymore. Um, but yeah, I did that for a bit and I really enjoyed it. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I really liked teaching folks outside. Um, and that led to working for Outward Bound and that sort of thing. And that was really fun for a while, but I kind of got burnt out on it after a while. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the first, the first outdoor gig I ever had, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think. Nice. Yeah. That's actually a pretty good one. Oh, it was a great one. It yeah. was, yeah, it was awesome. I mean, it was, it was fun and, you know, to, I, th- 
think we got paid, even if it was a little bit, but regardless, you know, it was yeah. fun to do and uh, got outside all the time. So yeah, it was good. Nice. What's like the biggest thing that you want the listeners to know about the Avalanche Center? Um, I think my biggest goal uh, for the Avalanche Center, which I think, you know, is, is the answer to that question as well, is um, I just want folks to be educated. Um, and, you know, like I mentioned throughout this, this conversation, it's we do it through producing advisories, education, um, and just providing, you know, resources in general. And so I think that's what I'd like folks to know is regardless of, you know, where you are and or where you're recreating, but find your local Avalanche Center. Um, or if, you know, if you do check the advisory, I would think that a lot of folks listening to your podcast probably already know about their Avalanche Center. But, um, you know, basically, yeah, figure out what they can offer. Um, and that's my goal is to to have folks throughout our community and visit visitors to you know let them know that there is an avalanche center this is what we do and um, we're a resource and you know so we also like feedback and so whatever feedback we can get from folks is really important as well um, you know whether it's hey we'd like to see this or oh I didn't know that you know could you talk more about this or what, whatever the case is um, feedback is really important um, it helps us improve obviously and so I think just making folks more aware um, of, you know, when they're out recreating, that the Avalanche Centers are a resource to help in their decision-making process when they're out there. Is there a good, like, email address or, like, a phone number you want to say for people to get in touch with? Yeah, so, I mean, for, you know, for our for us, the Flathead Avalanche Center, we're at flatheadavalanche.org, um, and you can find all our contact info there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you're not in Northwest Montana, uh, you go to avalanche.org, all the avalanche centers, they're listed on a map and just listed in general. So you can find your, you know, your avalanche center and figure out what they do and, um, you know, see what they offer and, um, utilize them as a resource when you go out. Great. Well, thank you so much for yeah. coming in. Like, it was great talking to you. And Absolutely. Thanks for... I think your for... adventure story was probably my favorite. So. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, thank Eric. You. Yeah. And all the links for this episode can be found in our show notes at www.wheeliecreative.com. That's W-H-E-E-L-I-E. And we'll see you next time.